This is Masters of Dispute Resolution on PodClips. Masters of Dispute Resolution is designed to provide those involved in the mediation process with the views of the most experienced and accomplished mediators and others experienced in the process. Through our discussions, you will gain insight into how to address and overcome difficult issues and achieve more satisfying results in mediation. Your host is Len Levy, mediator and arbitrator with ADR Services, Inc., a leading alternative dispute resolution provider. Lynn litigated complex cases for more than 30 years and has been a mediator since 1998 and is a member of the National Academy of Distinguished Neutrals. He has been recognized as a super lawyer in alternative dispute resolution each year since 2014. And now your host, Lynn Levy. Thank you, Daryl. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining us on Masters of Dispute Resolution, a mini-seminar which will add tools to your mediation toolbox. We're brought to you by Lawyers Pacific Insurance Brokerage, Inc., the National Academy of Distinguished Neutrals, and ADR Services, Inc. Uh, This season, our third, we're changing the format a bit, and we're going to still provide insights into the mediation process, but we're going to be doing so through the power of storytelling. In each episode, you'll hear a story about a conflict, the impact the conflict had on the lives of the parties involved, how resolution was reached, and lessons to be taken from that conflict and its resolution. Uh, Many of the details of the story you're about to hear have been modified to preserve the confidentiality essential to mediation, while also conveying the essence of the conflict and its resolution. Well, we're going to go into a direction today uh, that uh, is, I think you're going to find very interesting. Uh, We rely on the products we use to be safe, and when they're not, uh, the results can be devastating. Uh, Eric Galton is here today to tell us the story about a case he mediated involving 450 hemophiliacs, a blood transfusion product manufactured by four of the largest pharma companies on the planet, and how setting up the mediation for success led to resolution. Uh, For those who don't know Eric, uh, he has been a Texas attorney for 47 years and a full-time mediator for 35 years, and has mediated nearly 8,000 cases in 22 states and 16 foreign nations. He is a distinguished credential mediator with the Texas Mediator Credentialing Association and a past president of the International Academy of Mediators. He's published four books about mediation, including Stories Mediators Tell with the great Professor Leela Love. Uh, by the way, that is a fantastic read. I mean, it for mediators, non-mediators, just anyone who wants to hear a good story. Absolutely fantastic. Um, Eric is listed in Who's Who International Commercial Mediators, Chambers, Texas Super Lawyers, and many others. I could go on and on. Uh, He has served as an adjunct at Pepperdine's Strauss Institute for 16 years and as an adjunct teaching mediation at the University of Texas School of Law for eight years. Eric is married to a true mediation legend and pioneer who began in the early 1980s, Kimberly Kovac. Eric's proudest accomplishments are his three amazing sons and two incredible twin daughters. 
Fortunately, only one child fell off the uh, truck and became a lawyer. Eric spends his free time with his four wonderful grandchildren being an honest C-plus guitar player, traveling and seeing Bruce Springsteen on tour. Galton hopes to semi-retire beginning next year and that that will allow him to finish a fiction book he's been working on for 15 years, Eric? Long time. (laughs) 35 years later, Eric enjoys mediating even more than when he first started and has come to truly value after initially being a cynic, virtual mediation, proving even a senior mediator can learn some new tricks. Um, 35 years as a mediator. Uh, that that essentially makes you a mediator marathon man. And so the, the title that I'm going to give to this episode is, Is It Safe? Eric, uh, thank you very much for joining us today. And... Um, Please, uh, enlighten us. Tell us that story. Well, uh, thank you, Led, for having me and for the kind introduction. Um, Greetings from Austin, Texas. You know, that town, it's the keep Austin weird town. Um, It's the town that votes differently than the entire rest of the state. So uh, happy to be here. And it's almost summer, which means we'll have our endless string of 100 degree days. I was trying to think of a meaningful title for a case that's left a really strong spot in my heart for now well over 25 years. Uh, And uh, when I thought about the case and I thought about what the hemophiliacs, and I'll describe that in a moment, uh, call this period of time, they call it the hemophiliac holocaust. Now, you have to understand that as a mediator who had a great aunt who recently passed away, who was an Auschwitz survivor, I don't use the word Holocaust lightly. Uh, But during the period between 1982 and 2005, close to 10,000 hemophiliacs uh, contracted HIV as a result of exposure to certain blood products and blood transfusion products manufactured by four of the largest pharmaceutical companies on the planet. And of that group, approximately 5,000 of them died. Approximately 5,000 of them died. Now, I think everyone who's listening probably knows that hemophilia is a genetically passed, it's hereditary disease in which the blood does not clot and relies on certain types of blood products and blood transfusion products for the for the people to survive. And so you have this really, really horrible situation of a community that's f- afflicted with a genetic and hereditary disease and illness that they attempt to manage and they rely on transfusions. And for those of you who remember that period of time between 1982 and 2005, especially the earlier years, we were beginning to understand the impact of HIV and AIDS. Uh, Treatment was not readily available. Uh, The the illness was not readily understood. Uh, There was a lot of, uh, of, of information that was unavailable to various communities. 
And so I think that's sort of contextually where this whole story comes from. Uh, and one day I got a call from uh, uh, the leading products liability defense lawyer uh, in Texas, a good friend of mine who I had worked with in the past. And he said, Eric, we have a really large, large problem for you. Uh, 450 hemophiliacs represented uh, by two lawyers um, have filed suit against four of our companies. Uh, we've met, we've agreed to an early mediation uh, before discovery, before much else is done. Uh, we've also agreed and selected you as the mediator. And I know I've just laid a lot on your plate, uh, but uh, we're wondering how you think you might approach this. Now, just take a breath for a second and think about that. You know, you've just been told uh, about the context. You've been told about uh, all of these people. These were fathers, mothers, sisters, brothers, children who had either gotten sick, lost their lives, had loved ones who lost their lives, Families were torn apart. Businesses were torn apart. Lives were torn apart. And the question is, how are you going to put this together to have a successful mediation? Eric, if I can interrupt, the, the traditional way of doing mediations, uh, and, and there are a couple of traditional ways, but, but the traditional ways of doing mediation don't, don't simply fit into what you've just described. Uh, not at all. This was not a, I have three available dates in November. Let's schedule the dates and let's find a place where we're going to show up. Mm -hmm. And and I think also the other thing about it that I would like to emphasize from a practice perspective is, look, pragmatically, we know that a substantial number of cases that we mediate are about money about the transfer of money. There may be some other interests there, but it's a money chase sort of case. Uh, but there is a grouping of cases. They may make up 25 or 30% of what we do, which I refer to as the child of the 60s, the drug, sex, and rock and roll of mediation. Why I actually do this work. When you understand and appreciate that there's got to be something other than money involved in this case. And I think one of the mental states of effective mediators, I think effective negotiators, is you have to have a spirit of curiosity. You have to be curious about what's really going on here, what's going down. So I told uh, uh, the defense lawyer, give me a couple of days to think about it. I'd like to do a little work that I call process architecture, which is designing the process for the dispute. We're, we're going to take a break right now, Eric, and, and we're going to get through, get into that thought process. Uh, and uh, I am Lynn Levy. I'm talking with Eric Galton. Uh, we're on Masters of Dispute Resolution. We'll be back in a moment. Masters of Dispute Resolution would like to thank ADR Services Incorporated, your partner in resolution, and its founder, Lucy Barron, for supporting this podcast. 
ADR Services is one of the leading providers of alternative dispute resolution in California. Leveraging technology to drive resolution, ADR Services is committed to dynamism in the face of growing client need and an ever-evolving legal climate. Now operating offices in all major legal markets of California, ADR Services provides unparalleled in-person and remote resolution services through its exclusive panel comprised of more than 130 of the most distinguished and talented neutrals across the state, capable of handling challenging and complex mediations, arbitration, and other procedures in every field of law. When you seek the services of a neutral and you want results and satisfied clients, contact ADR Services, www.adrservices.com. Welcome back to Masters of Dispute Resolution. I'm Len Levy. I'm chatting with Eric Galton, uh, who is about to get into the process of approaching a 450 plaintiff or defendant. And I'm going to take a guess, some insurance issues that might have come up from time to time. Um, how did you do it, Eric? Well, um, I gave it some thought and uh, I decided that I didn't know what I didn't know. So I came up with this plan. Uh, the plan was I wanted to spend a full day uh, meeting with the plaintiff side separately in an environment in which they felt comfortable. Uh, and then I wanted to spend a day meeting privately with defense counsel and their corporate representatives. And I wanted to start with the plaintiffs. And the plaintiffs, the hemophiliac group had created a steering committee. And the steering committee was a six member committee of their group who had the hearts, minds and authority to act on behalf of the entire group. Um, their lawyer was located out of New Orleans. So I took a plane to New Orleans and I uh, spent the day meeting with the steering committee. One of the guys was a psychologist of hemophiliac, had gotten one of these blood products, didn't know he was sick, had relations with his wife, infected his wife. He was responsive to some of the medicine, was still his wife alive. His wife passed away, leaving him with three small children as a single father. Oh, boy. Another was a uncle who lost a nephew uh, at age eight, uh, met a woman who lost her husband. Uh, all of these people were psychologists, business peoples, professors, all of whom desperately needed these products to survive and their lives were just torn apart. Death, suffering, worry, concern, business interruption, financial interruption, all of the factors that you would associate with this. And what I really was aiming at finding out was what was important to them. What really mattered to them? And here's what really mattered to them after I went through that with them all day. And I have to tell you, I, I, I'm almost flashing back to that day and time because I remember it so well because as they were telling me their stories, and you know, I have a theory about mediation. Uh, I've had it for a long time. It's one of the very few rules because it's such a flexible process, but everybody has the right to tell their own story in their own way, in their own time. Not my way, not my time. Their own story, their own way, their own time. And every one of them did. 
And when you really engage in that deep, active listening, when somebody is telling you a story and really transporting you into their world, there is a connection that happened. And, and, and there was a connection that day with many of these people, and they still send me Christmas cards decades after this all went down. Um, and, and, and what happened was we came away with these bits. First, they wanted an absolute ability for every one of the people in their group, all 450, if they wanted to do it, to have the first day of mediation devoted to nothing but storytelling. Everybody would have five to 10 minutes to tell their story. And they wanted to tell their story, not to a bunch of lawyers wearing suits, not to a bunch of insurance guys, not to a bunch of low level people. They wanted the CEOs and CFOs of all of the companies to be physically present throughout the course of the mediation. And they wanted their financial needs to be met. And they wanted the corporate representatives to understand in a visceral way what had happened to them. That's what they wanted. Those goals being articulated to you must have been immensely empowering to you as a mediator uh, and also uh, having uh, having the ability to fully appreciate in the minds of the plaintiffs what they are going through, what must have been extremely empowering for them. Oh, absolutely. And also I had scheduled them first and I received permission to communicate to the defense room and the defense reps everything we talked about because I wanted to be able to go into the defense day as I did and as I'll now explain and be able to articulate with specificity what ingredients, what needs, what interests really need to be met if we're going to have an effective mediation. And I have to tell you, they were immediately receptive to the notion of structuring it uh, with a day of storytelling, followed by three days of negotiation, all of which, by the way, happened at the LAX Hilton in several large ballrooms. Uh, and, and they were receptive to the notion and agreed specifically that CFO, CEO levels of these very important companies would attend every day of the mediation until the mediation was at an end. They wow. agreed to do all that. But here was a really interesting part. I asked them this question. After all of the folks who have suffered have a chance to tell you their story, and it's your turn, what are you going to say? What are you going to say? And they had no idea. I looked at them, I said, you know what? You hire expert witnesses all the time to do provide testimony in disputed cases. Have you given a moment's thought of hiring a consulting expert who deals with mass tort situations, who's a psychologist or psychiatrist who can help you understand that when you communicate to these people, you communicate properly 
and you communicate effectively, not stage it, but help them understand what these people are saying to you and what these people need to hear you say and actually mean. And they did. And That's that, fantastic. That and is that, fantastic. And that consultant prepared a 50-page report. I was furnished a copy of it, not saying in order to manipulate them, say this, it was a psychological profile of what this has been all about for these people. And when you get up in front of those people and you have your opportunity to look them in the eye after they poured their hearts and souls out to you, and I'm gonna describe what actually happened in the next segment, <laughs> uh, you need to get up in front of them and let them know how you really feel about this. Uh, and that was a stage that was set before we all arrived in Los Angeles. How long did that process take uh, from the time you first met with the 450 to the time that you were, how much time did you allow to uh, have that report done and and, and uh, get them prepared? 45 days. Wow. 45 days. The, 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 I, I think the, the learning point here mm -hmm. is the, the, this is not a matter of, 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 of it's, it's more like directing this into a stage where the parties are going to have the meaningful conversation that they need to have. This is the, that, that was the point. The mm -hmm. point was you just can't throw everybody together and hope for the best. And right. you don't want to overscript it. You don't want to overstructure it, but you want everybody to understand what's going to be happening because you also know that when you go live with it, it's going to be spontaneous. It's going to be different. And even this mediator didn't know what was going to happen when those doors opened to that ballroom and everybody walked in. And I bet that's what we're going to talk about in the next segment. Absolutely. And this is a, a good time to take a break as we continue with this absolutely fascinating story. Uh, I am Len Levy. We're on Masters of Dispute Resolution, and we have been blessed to hear this story as told by Eric Galton. Most attorneys need professional liability coverage, but very few are professional liability experts. And there are so many options when it comes to legal malpractice insurance. How do you know how much coverage you need? What should your policy limits be? What if you've had a past claim? You shouldn't have to take time away from helping your clients to research professional liability coverage. And with Lawyers Pacific Insurance Brokerage on your side, you don't need to. Their professional liability experts shop California's leading insurance carriers to find your firm the right coverage at the best price. Lawyers Pacific founders Al and Debbie Hernandez have over 50 years combined experience working with the highest rated providers of lawyers professional liability insurance. So trust the brokerage with access to over 40 carriers in California to find a cost-effective malpractice insurance solution for your firm. Go to LawyersPacific.com and click Request a Quote. Welcome back to Masters of Dispute Resolution. I'm chatting with Eric Galton, I'm Len Levy, and we are now going to be hearing uh, the continuation 
of the process by which this uh, this was mediated. Thank you. Eric, go ahead. Well, for a moment, try to imagine a very large ballroom at the LAX Hilton, uh, and it's Monday morning, and everybody's walking in. Uh, over 400 representatives of this hemophiliac group attended. As they were walking in, they were either wearing banners with their loved ones' names, they were holding photographs, they were carrying objects. Uh, some of them were coming in groups, they were holding each other up, literally propping each other up. They came from every walk of life, every faith, every color, every creed, every, every group that you could imagine. And they filled up a substantial portion of, uh, of the ballroom. On the other side, there was the whole group of defense lawyers and insurance people and all the corporate representatives who had promised to be there were there uh, right from the very beginning. And I, I, was, I was given a microphone and I walked into the middle of this and uh, I'd given some thought that morning about what I was going to say because it's sometimes hard to find the right words to say. I just looked across the both rooms and I said, you know, my name's Eric Galton. I'm honored to be your mediator today. Uh, I'm looking forward to working with everybody. I'm very hopeful and optimistic. But I think this would be a good time for all of us to have a moment of silence together where we think and contemplate whatever we need to, to have the faith and the strength and the endurance and the empathy to do something over these next few days that will provide relief to this community of people who have obviously suffered. And I'm hopeful that if we do that, we'll be successful. And we had about a three minute moment of silence where everyone was very quiet. The room was completely still. You could hear absolutely nothing. And then I looked across to the community who had all of the folks there who wanted to make their presentations. Everyone was given up to five minutes to talk and we started. And I handed the microphone to a woman who had lost her husband, uh, who got up and told the story about their life together, how they had been married, what they had hoped to do, what happened to him, how quickly he got sick, how quickly he passed away how awful it was for her to experience that. And story after story, we took a brief lunch break and there were still more stories and more stories. And Len, it was one of those situations where when you thought you heard the very worst story you had ever heard before, the next one was just bad. And, and, and you know, I, I looked across the room at the uh, corporate representatives and I could see that they were absolutely paying attention. Uh, in fact, it was unmistakable to anybody. And and we kept the, we kept narrowing the degree between where the speakers were and where they were. In fact, as the speakers got more courage, they got closer and closer. They'd walk with the mic almost right up to where the group of defense lawyers were where they were telling their story. And 
by now it's nine o'clock at night. We started at nine in the morning and finally we're coming to the last story. And the last story is a teenage girl who lost her brother uh, at age 11 uh, to HIV. Oh. And she was holding a bear and she walked across the room holding this bear. And she looked across at these corporate representatives, one in particular who she was right in front of. And she said, this is a bear that my brother had had since childhood that he held the moment he died. He held this when he died that night. And I want all of you to hold this bear. And she handed it to him and he took the bear and he held it and they passed it one to one to one to all of them. And it was a moment that I can't even do any better to describe other than uh, tears were shed all over the room. Um, it was a it yeah it it was a moment you just can't even contemplate. And at that they had finished uh, their 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 storytelling, and we took a brief break. Mm -hmm. um, so what happened next is astonishing, but not. I've got even more astonishing as we progress with into the negotiation because a miracle happened, and I'll tell you about the miracle. But the well, but the what 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 was most astonishing is when it was the defense turn to say something. A lawyer stood up, actually the fellow who hired me, and said, you're not hearing from lawyers today. You're going to hear from each of the CEOs or CFOs of the company. You're not going to hear a lawyer talk. You're going to talk from them. And one of the CEOs got up, and he walked across the room right in front of the group. And he looked at them and without any hesitation said, we are collectively sorry we absolutely understand that we have made mistakes here we're going to acknowledge those mistakes we know there's no way in the world that we can ever make this exactly right but we are committed for all four days every single day we will be here we will listen we will participate we will do our best to help but we want you to know that we bear responsibility for this. We accept that responsibility and we're going to do whatever we can to make this right. And every fellow who followed him said some version of the same thing and they didn't say it with the but or the and or the anything else that would minimize it. You know, we're sorry, but we didn't know what we're... They basically owned it. They accepted it. They they didn't, uh, you know, dance around it. They confronted it square on, and they made a commitment that they were there, and they were intending and hoping that they could reach a resolution with these people. And that was all that they said. When I released everybody for the night, mm -hmm. and this is why exploring these realms of mediation makes so much of a difference. 
as the members of the hemophiliac community were leaving, dozens and dozens of them came up to me and said, no matter whether this case settles or not, we heard what we most wanted to hear. We heard what we most wanted to hear. What they wanted to know, what they wanted to hear was that these companies were going to accept the responsibility, own the responsibility, and make a commitment to help. That's what they wanted to hear. So I went to bed that night feeling uplifted, if you can, after an event like that, in the sense that I knew we were on the right road. I knew we were ha we had a pathway. I knew we had some credibility and trust established. But what I could not know and what I could not predict and what I had no way from all of my prior mediation experience to know is what would happen at 7.30 the next morning. And I suspect that might be a good time to stop for a moment and I'll tell you what happens next. I couldn't have said it better. Eric, thank you. We're, we're on Masters of Dispute Resolution and we will be back soon. Masters of Dispute Resolution is sponsored by the National Academy of Distinguished Neutrals. NADN is the premier invitation-only association of civil mediators and arbitrators in the United States with members in every state of the nation. Only experienced ADR professionals who are widely acceptable to local plaintiff and defense firms are invited to join the Academy's roster. The Academy's website, NADN.org, is the most widely visited neutrals database in the world today. With over 40,000 law offices, insurance companies, and corporations visiting our free website annually. Firms can search for neutrals by many criteria, including location, case expertise, qualifications, language skills, and most NADN members also publish their available dates, calendars, online, making NADN.org the go-to website for law firms wishing to schedule appointments online with their preferred mediators. For more information, please visit www.nadn.org. Org today. Welcome back to Masters of Dispute Resolution. I'm Len Levy and I'm chatting with Eric Galton. And we're about to find out what happened at 7.30 the next morning. Well, Ed, at 7.30 in the morning, uh, my telephone in my hotel room rings. And it's one of the members of the steering committee. And he's and and I and he said, Eric, uh, I, I I hope you don't mind me calling you. Uh, I said, Does your lawyer know? He said, Yeah, I talked to my lawyer first, but uh, he said it would be okay if I wanted to call you. Uh, my steering committee has a really interesting thought, and uh, here's what it is: We know that these corporate representatives have incredibly powerful lobbyists on Capitol Hill in Washington, and we have a bill in front of Congress right now to get emergency relief for the community. And we're wondering whether we can meet with them, just us, them, and you, to discuss that. Uh, no lawyers in the room, just us and just us th and them, and, and see whether or not they'd be willing as part of this process to help us with that lobbying effort. 
And I said, are you sure that your lawyer knows that you called me? Yeah, my lawyer knows that and he's done that. So I called up one of the defense lawyers and I said, listen, I've just got a rather interesting call. Well, to make a very long story short, all the lawyers consent. And now I'm hosting a joint meeting of the steering committee of the hemophiliac community, along with all of these corporate CEOs and CFOs. And they make their pitch for help. And here's what the corporate folks say. Whether we settle this case or not, whether we settle this case or not, we will make this commitment. We will call our lobbyists like Senator Trent Lott and others, and we will see whether or not we can garner support to get immediately passage this relief bill passed right away. And we'll do that whether we get this other matter settled or not, but we give you our promise, we'll do it. Fantastic. And so now we start the negotiation. Now think about this. And, and by the way, I think there's too much me in the word mediator these days. You know, I, 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 I think it's become a kind of more mediator centric than process centric uh, environment. And, and really the point of these stories is how miraculous the process can be when you implement it in a flexible, creative way based on planning. And so what's really happened here is we've ridden two waves. We've ridden the wave of the first day where there's been a really transformational exchange of very, very difficult emotion and feeling and acceptance and responsibility, followed by this incredibly interesting moment that probably wouldn't have happened had the night before not happened. And now we've got this additional wave of energy and commitment and probably a developing trust. Now, the rest of the negotiations, not that thrilling because we began negotiating large sums of money. It was friendly. Mm -hmm. It was more collaborative than competitive. Uh, everybody knew at the end of the day, this was going to involve a very large amount of money. And ultimately, on Thursday afternoon, after several days of constructive, uh, not without difficulty, of course, but largely constructive negotiation, we reach a monetary settlement. But that was not all of it. Uh, we also agreed to some other things. It was important to the hemophiliac committee Things like this should never happen again. And what they wanted to do was to create a committee that would meet annually that would consist of the hemophiliac community and these pharmaceutical company representatives to discuss interests of the community, needs of the community, and have direct communication about what the pharmaceutical companies are doing and thinking about doing for them. That committee exists even today, decades later, and they continue to meet to have regular dialogue and communication, all born from this mediation. Now, for your mediator, before we get to the takeaways, I was supposed to meet on Friday morning at nine o'clock in Austin with the ADR person from the Department of the Navy to discuss implementing a mediation program or a mediation plan with the Navy. And, and about two o'clock in the afternoon after this was all done, the celebration actually started. 
and representatives from the pharmaceutical companies had arranged for a group dinner and there was wine and there was celebration and people were talking to them and they were talking to the people and it was it was wonderful and quite frankly i would have loved to hang out with them and uh celebrate some more but i got on a red eye out of los angeles to austin around 10 30 at night hmm. probably didn't sleep much on the plane somehow got into my office at 8 45 met with the department of the navy i'm probably likely incoherent finally got home my wife saw me and, and and i said i think i need to go to bed and i went to bed and i slept for 18 hours wow, <laughs> so, uh, wow. quite quite it quite a situation so the takeaways um well first of all the takeaways are the process if you really embrace it can take you to remarkable places and i, I know you told me during one of our uh, breaks that I'm an advocate of the joint session. Well, gosh, you know, uh, I I was for many, many years and still am, although I'm I'm pragmatic and I understand that around the country, it's probably used much more infrequently. And, um, and, and even in my jurisdiction, that's also true. But I think the other point is, is that there are cases that are so large that you really need to sort of plan and think through it and and be curious about what what really needs to happen to have an effective mediation effective negotiation and something at the end that's actually durable that's what i'd like about the 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 committee part of all of this is there a door there's durability to the agreement that goes beyond the passing of the financial aspects of it and i think it was a learning experience for the participants including the lawyers about Sometimes the approach has just got to be different. Sometimes the advocacy has got to be different. Sometimes the things that we act as if they're not really that important are really the critical mass that are going to allow the case to ultimately resolve and reach a resolution and and, and, and to be meaningful for people. You know, uh, you know I, I, I don't know whether our industry any longer cares about the degree of consumer satisfaction with the process, you know. We're, well, well, let me let me interject something there, Eric, because you know one of the things that that I've found is that very often uh, attorneys who are generally the gatekeepers hiring us uh, say, "Well, we want to get this settled. We want to get this case settled." Well, there's a difference between settling a case and resolving conflict. And re resolving a conflict, especially if you have some un ongoing interests that need to be served, such as in this case, uh, it requires something more. It re and 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 having a, a, a an actual conversation between the parties is something that that can help accomplish that. Uh, I, I agree, Len. I also think that we live in a polarized society that is deeply fractured. I, I've been teaching a civility course for the last several years. Uh, the, the, the art of conversation, the art of having difficult conversations, the art of being interested and curious and trying to appreciate someone else's perspective, uh, the, the, the art of being disagreeing without being disagreeable, it's quickly becoming a lost art.
You know, I guess my more I look, you know, I'm pragmatic. I live very much in the real world. I, I, I know that. But, you know, we've got a lot of warriors in the world. And I think having a few peacemakers is a good thing. And I think that if as part of the process, we can help people reclaim conversation in a way in which it can be meaningful. I think every once in a while, that's a really good thing. Eric, that is a perfect way to end our conversation today. I think uh, we, I, I've, I've enjoyed this this thoroughly. I've I've learned a lot as as I've every time I've interacted with you, I, I learn a lot. Um, so, uh, what I'd like you to do is, if people want to contact you to book you for mediation or to consult with you, what's the best way of contacting you? It's Eric at LakesideMediation.com, Eric at LakesideMediation.com. And if anyone out there ever has a thing where they just like a friendly ear and they want some advice, I'm at the age where I'm happy to give it. Thank you. Thank you very much, Eric. And and again, I I really do appreciate your your being here. Um, And I also want to uh, thank you, Daryl Wayne, my engineer, Uh, and producer. Um, I'm your host, Len Levy, and this is Masters of Dispute Resolution on podclips.io, powered by Infigen Labs, Inc. I hope you will continue to enjoy the stories we bring you. But in the meantime, stay well, keep listening, and remember, peace of mind is enhanced when conflicts are resolved. If you wish to contact Len Levy, you can reach him through his email at lslevy at advservices.com, through Len's website, lenlevymediate.com. Telephone him at 818-903-5562 or contact his case manager at ADR Services, 213-683-1600.